The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 168. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the next episode, the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, called Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to share the podcast with your friends. Help us uh, grow this community of listeners that we have, and we, we want to reach more folks with our fun and hopefully entertaining discussions of Star Trek. And I want to tell you about another show that you will definitely enjoy on the StarQuest Network called The Secrets of Doctor Who, where Jimmy, Father Corey, and I discuss Doctor Who, classic and new the, from the 1965 all the way up to present day and whatever the future holds. Uh, we, we there is a lot of interesting things coming and changes in Doctor Who, uh, and we talk about it all. So g- give us a give us a listen over there at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or wherever you find podcasts. And uh, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We do have a little bit of listener feedback that we want to share with you. But first, let's talk about Kayshawn, his eyes open. Jimmy, could you give us a recap of this episode? The Cerritos, after the funeral of the Collector. Kayshawn. His hand becomes a puppet. (laughs) Mariner and Jet in conflict. Tindy and Rutherford to the rescue. (laughs) No Boimler? No Boimler? Which which I, oh yeah, Boimler beside himself. (laughs) (laughs) And I I made up all that on the spot because it hadn't occurred to me to do so before. But um, to give a straightforward English presentation of the plot, The Cerritos has been assigned to help inventory the collection of a professional galactic collector who has died and also defuse any dangerous galactic treasures he has in his collection. Captain Freeman assigns the new security chief, Lieutenant Kayshawn, a Temerian who often speaks in literary allusions, to take the lower deckers over to the collector's ship to do the inventory. But Lieutenant Kayshawn is almost immediately turned into a hand puppet by a security device. I mean, a literal hand puppet, (laughs) uh, leaving the lower deckers to deal with the situation on their own. Mariner comes into conflict with another crewman, Jet Manhaver, who will lead uh, about who will lead the team. So they're both like in a leadership tug of war. Both Mariner's plan and Manhaver's plan end up not working, so the two finally decide to listen to Rutherford and Tindy instead of just telling them what to do. Rutherford and Tindy then are encouraged to actually think about the situation they're in, and they come up with a way to save the day. 
Meanwhile, on the Titan, Boimler is assigned to a dangerous away mission on a planet, and his covert team is being pursued by dangerous, if verbally challenged, Packleds, the new main villain on Lower Decks. Uh, <laughs> they're kind of our new Klingon slash Romulans. Uh, and uh, as comedy versions, they work. Yeah. Uh, the facility mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Boimler's team has to infiltrate is protected by a force shield, but Boimler realizes there is a way to beam through it and to escape the dangerous, verbally challenged packleds. All of the team gets away, but Boimler accidentally is cloned by the transporter. So one Boimler stays on the Titan and the other goes back to the Cerritos, effectively hitting the reset button to the beginning of, or to the end of last season. Right. The end. The end. Mm-hmm. Yes. We'll talk more about that as we uh, as we get to it. Uh, I, I want to kind of mention right off the bat, they have communal sonic showers in this one. Yes, they yep. go there in this episode. <laughs> yeah, with but because they're sonic showers, the images are blurry, right? So you don't <laughs> yep, see exactly anything. everything um, is blurred out. Thank, thankfully, and and this is like only the second time we've seen a sonic shower. It's it's our most extensive ever. I mean, in Star yeah. Trek: The Motion Picture, we saw Lieutenant Ilya sort of having a sonic shower, right? But I don't. I mean, we saw her coming yeah. out of it, but I don't recall seeing the action of the shower. But here we right. do. Yeah, we did in Voyager. We did right. in Voyager. Janeway, yeah, Janeway stepped underneath one after, uh, and they had they had the uh, the special effect of the dirt lifting off of her as mm. she's standing under it. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. So how 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 would a sonic shower work? Because they Jet and Mariner have this battle over turning up the power of the showers until they they're getting nosebleeds. It's so intense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I don't think sonic showers really would work in, yeah. in, in a way that would, I mean, it basically <laughs> it's using sound to lift dirt and other stuff off your skin to right. clean you. Yeah. And so it would be some kind of ultrasound thing that would do that. But my suspicion is in order to do that in the real world, you would have to like turn up the juice so much you would be getting nosebleeds at a minimum <laughs> right yeah right yeah i i guess it was but, it, it was always an interesting way of not using water in yes space. and it's a sci-fi trope it shows up in various different different franchises and novels and stuff because it's a way of water conservation in space right right, right. yeah and enterprise did show that they had actual water showers because there was the scene uh early on where Archer. archers is uh in the shower and the 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 graph plating fails oh, as right. he's in the shower, but that's, yeah. other than that, they've, they've done the sonic shower routine. Okay. I, I like the fact we have a uh, Tamarian in this, yes. one of the, mm-hmm. one of the children of Tama from the Darmok episode. Yeah. And yep. I like that he's learned enough Federation standard, i.e. English, that yep. he can speak normally and only occasionally lapses into the literary illusions, yep. which they call metaphors. I, well, they're <laughs> literary illusions that I guess you're using metaphorically. Um, and, and, you know, that's a very popular episode. Um, and, and it was very well done and I'm glad that they're bringing in a character. He's the new security chief, like I said, so he's Shax's replacement. Right. Um, I wondered if he was voiced by the same actor, but I didn't think to look that up. Um, one of the, one of the things that's interesting about the children of Tama 
is they show up in some, you know, in various Star Trek novels, uh, what are sometimes called beta canon. And in those, uh, apparently to help build a bridge between our culture and theirs so we could have a common language because they just think differently than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave them a bunch of Earth literature and they've 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 also fleshed out like how how children in their culture learn and how their number and engineering system works and stuff. Um, But we, to build this bridge, we gave them a bunch of our literature, including the Bible. Mm. And so they would start using literary allusions from the Bible. Mm. So you could have things like Lazarus at his tomb or Jesus at the Ascension or things like that. Interesting. Uh, sure. By the way, uh, Carl Tart voiced Keishan, so not Brad uh-huh. Tatasciore, uh, okay. uh, who who did Shaq. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, Keishan was a. It, it was a. It's one of those things with animation that they can they 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 feel f- more free to do these sorts of things to bring in these elements from other Star Trek. You know the stuff that we love from Star Trek, including and, the really big one. I can't wait to talk about. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yes, oh yes, literally really big. But we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned like this this battle between Mariner and Jet. We saw Jet last season as a was he a romantic interest with Mariner then, wasn't he? Um, they went on a date. I kind of trying to remember, remember where we saw him. But anyway, well, wasn't, this, he, he, wasn't he part of one of the other teams? Right. So like there was one episode where they they ran into one of the other teams, the Gamma. Because Gamma yeah, Shift, like the gamma and shift or shift, something like yeah. that. In, in this one, he says, I got transferred to Beta Shift, which is apparently what the, our regular lower deckers mm-hmm. are. Right. And Mariner sees herself sort of as the unofficial leader of Beta Shift. And, right. Yep. And so Jet sort of challenges her for that, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, let's talk about the collector, by the way. the We saw a collector in TNG where yep, he, right. he the collect- most toys. Yes, he collected data, and they actually bring that up. In fact, yeah. the collectors, yeah. there's a collector's guild, and they all tried to collect data at one point or another. Yeah, I, I like the bridge crew discussing that. It's like, they all tried to collect data. Why won't they leave data alone? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, they kind of hung a lantern, too, because, of course, the immediate question, as soon as you hear a collector and his, his collection, is like, oh, is this the one that tried to collect data? Right. You know, so they immediately ask yeah. that question right on screen. Right. They yeah. bring it up. And it kind of, the, the whole episode has a feel of one of those. Uh, what was it? I forget, I forget what channel had this, but there was an, uh, uh, a show called The Storage Wars where you mm-hmm. had people Amy. bidding on abandoned Amy. Oh, yeah. B- bidding yep. on abandoned storage lockers, storage oh. units. And mm. it kind of has that feel of like and then they would go in and they would they, they would bid on it and they would find whatever treasures are found inside. Yeah. And mm. there was this was clearly an homage to that sort of show. Uh, I, I hadn't thought of that. It felt to me like an escape room. Well, yeah, you know, it was that too. you're trapped in a room and you yep. got to figure out how do we get out. And it's because it's a collection. This is the ultimate Easter egg episode. Like there are yes. Easter eggs oh, yeah. in every corner of, of the screen in every scene. And just, I mean, it'll be too many to go all through them, but there, there, there are some we can. I'm sure memory about. alpha will eventually have a list of them all. I know. Oh, you, yeah. you look at the, you look at the references list and it's like 20 lines long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's uh and some of them are kind of like uh, bizarre. Like they make up like the, um, the there's a Klingon, reproduction oh. helmet uh but then there's like yeah. uh the excalbian uh, 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 uh an excalbian um 
uh, carcass, like a fossil. I can't mm-hmm. say really skeleton because they're they're rock creatures. But there's mm-hmm. also the skeleton of Abraham Lincoln from the same episode, the uh, Space yeah. Lincoln. And of course, Jimmy, what you were referencing, the other skeleton, the skeleton of Spock Two, right? From Super the Spock. animated <laughs> series from the Infinite Vulcan. So uh, those clones did wear out, which is why we had Doctor Caniclius Five, right? Right. Um, so Spock Two wore out, and we've got his skeleton in the collection, still wearing his blue giant blue science shirt. So yep. I, I should mention. We've talked about that episode. We've recorded that episode already. It has not released yet. That will be coming up oh. after the the the, yeah, the it was, season. It was, yeah. it was actually the last episode we recorded before Lower, Lower Decks started. So it will be right. very very shortly after Lower Decks. Yeah, yeah it was very recent ends. for us. So yeah. in the animated series episode, The Infinite Vulcan, it's kind of a riff on Spock's brain. Except they yeah. don't just take the brain; they clone the entire Spock and make a giant, giant copy Spock. of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so in this episode, they've got the giant Spock skeleton still wearing a, you know, a torn piece of his uh, big piece of his yeah. uh, blue science shirt, which also got cloned, apparently. And um, it's hanging from the ceiling like a big whale skeleton or something. Right. And then it comes crashing down. and They're <laughs> actually inside the giant Spock skeleton defending themselves for yeah. for a, for a segment of the show yeah, against uh, like levitating Roombas, like a whole army of levitating yeah, yes. of armed exactly. Roombas. Uh, yeah, I love I love Mariner's line. They're going to suck us to death. <laughs> yeah. But but they never say this is what this is. You have yeah. to recognize it from from knowledge of the animated series. That, exactly. That is one of the best parts of Lower Decks is that it doesn't just tell you everything like it sort of relies on the fact that you're going to sort of know what is going on like you just you're a star trek fan if you watch lower decks and so you're gonna know a lot of this stuff you're gonna have watched the animated series and you're gonna have like this background knowledge and i just that's one of the things i love about this and if you haven't there's still enough there you can follow the main plot and enjoy it but so these are easter eggs in the true sense if you know what they are yeah. yeah, they will add value, but they're not essential to understanding what's happening. Right. And, and when you watch, there's there's especially in these collection rooms, there are going to be all kinds of little Easter eggs hidden that they won't mention. They're just sitting in a cage and you just kind of pass by it. Right. And if I, you know what you're looking for, you'll find them. You know, I was tempted, like like we mentioned, I was tempted to kind of go back and look through them all. But I'm like, that is that is a large effort to go yeah. through. All yeah, that. I, I, I did I, see a list online. I'll have to go back and find it. But I did see a list online where someone had done that. OK, yeah. I decided I'm just going to watch this and enjoy it. I'm not going to obsess about everything in <laughs> yep. the background. Exactly. The, the Spock skeleton was yeah. hard to miss. There was also <laughs> a, uh, a case of Chateau Picard wine. I remember that. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a Betazoid gift box. I remember seeing that. Um, oh, there was some other things. Yeah, it, there was, a t- like I said, a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, you could you could go to the memory alpha and and look at the references list and you'll see all kinds of stuff. There. So what, one of the aspects of this is they they, you know, say right up front that the collection, the collector who has died, like other collectors, is going to have many dangerous galactic treasures mm-hmm. in his collection. So they mm-hmm. so the collector's guild has asked Starfleet to help them inventory this collection and defuse any dangerous items that it's certain to contain. And so when they get there with the new security chief, Kayshawn, um, they 
there's another rival collector who's there as a representative of the guild to monitor all of this. And he ends up setting off a security device that animates a painting of the collector who died. And it's like, aha, if you are seeing this animated painting, I must be dead. Therefore, you are raiding my collection. Therefore, I'm going to turn you into a hand puppet, which then happens. (laughs) Flotation gets turned into a literal hand puppet, which they then have to keep with them through the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, And and the question is, how are we going to get out of here? Because now that the security system is activated, it's becoming unsafe for the lower deckers and Mariner wants to battle their way to the engine room and shut off the power. And, uh, and jet is like, actually, why don't we just use the escape pods and go back over to our own ship and Rutherford and Tindy are kind of like, yeah, that's kind of more in keeping with our training. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I love it. I love it. For once, it's like, yes, we don't have to do the ridiculous overdramatic thing. Let's just get <laughs> let's just get out of this dangerous situation and and figure out how to deal with it when we're not in danger. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I love the shuttle pods plan. But of course, it doesn't work. Well, mm. and meanwhile, Captain Freeman back on the Cerritos. She would normally be checking in with them, but she just got her uh, captain's evaluation, like her employee evaluation, which said she's a micromanager. And so she's like going to be like, I'm going to be the opposite. I am not a micromanager and I will show you. I will going to give them a free hand and not check in with them at all, which is precisely the opposite of what she should be doing. The the one time that she really should be checking in with them and recognizing, hey, we don't have comms connection with them right now. (laughs) Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. And then there's the typical like having to battle your way through. Uh, this 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 terrible you know each room which are different ways trying to kill them uh, and they end up like you said Jimmy having to come up with an alternative way that isn't Jet and Mariner fighting against each other like Jet, Mariner's not taking things seriously Jet taking things very by the book and Tendi and Rutherford have to be the ones to sort of save the day by saying look let's just work together uh, and come up with this plan well, I, yeah, actually, the way they set that up is Boim, not Boimler, uh, Jet and Mariner together realize we haven't worked. I yeah. mean, we haven't as leaders. Both of us have failed and mm-hmm. we're just this tug of war is not productive. Let's get some new eyes on the situation. Hey, Tindy and Rutherford, what do you think? Yes. Yep. And they're like, oh, you're asking us? <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I here's a plan. really thought about it before. We were just obeying you. But <laughs> yeah. here's an idea. Yeah. Which involves we'll see, melting down the uh, the bones of the Excalbion, which are extremely corrosive, and then cutting a hole through the bulkhead so they can get through into, uh, the, you know, a maintenance shaft and get bypass all the, the security things and getting to the, the, the escape pods more easily. Now. Did case did they ever get Kayshawn back to yes. himself? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. By the so we get a scene in 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 Medbay where um There's where Doctor Ta- yeah. where Doctor Taana is talking about him and they've got him like on a bio bed as yeah. a hand puppet. Mm-hmm. And so they have the little hand puppet on a bio bed. Yeah. And Dr. Tana is saying, this isn't my first guy got turned into a doll situation. He'll be fine in an hour. And then he is fine in an hour. He's like yeah. in the bar trying to uh, chat up a lady. That's right. That's uh, right. Apparently these, these puppet rays are, are not uncommon in, in the future. <laughs> yes. I like the sign that they had him on, on him in the, in the mid bay. Please don't play with the, uh, the, the uh, security puppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
was, that so was of course good. the bird psychologist starts playing with it. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, he's the counselor. <laughs> uh, this would be very helpful in my counseling sessions. You know the puppet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, read the sign. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the Boimler situation. So he's on the the Titan with under uh, Will Riker, and th- there's these three other officers, you know, Boimler is just overwhelmed by everything and the constant battling and the constant, they're at war with the, the packlet all the time. And these three other officers are very, very uh, aggressive, very warlike and kind of mocking the enterprise as, as being mm-hmm. so, um, uh, you know, so, so frou-frou and, oh, you, they even had string quartet concerts over there. Oh my goodness. That is so, you know, uh, silly. Uh, you know, the, the, we have it much better here. And Boyman's like, I, I would kind of like actually have a string quartet yeah. concert every once in <laughs> a while. explore. Right. And it, it, there comes a point where he admits. Which, which actually calls back to last season when we saw him playing his bass violin. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Uh, and it, at one point when they're in, undercover on this planet trying to escape from the, uh, the pack led, he admits, like, I joined Starfleet to explore, not for all this fighting that that we're doing. And I wonder, is that a critique of, oh, of more modern, more modern Trek shows, which have focused so much on conflict and less on exploration? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's a meta it's a meta comment about the overall trajectory of Star Trek, not necessarily criticizing it, but giving giving vent to the. Uh, giving voice to the mm-hmm. sentiments of a significant segment of Star Trek fandom. Yeah, and it was and it was a, a critique in DS Nine, especially during the Dominion War, where it became more about the war than it did any kind of exploration or anything like that. Right. Too, yeah. So we can have not to stories. the level not yeah. to, not to the level of modern not to the level of modern day Trek by any stretch of the imagination. Like Discovery no. and Picard, which were not at all about really discovery and exploration mm-hmm. uh, although that's been the promise that we're supposed to get with strange new worlds is it's going to be much more traditional star trek uh, you know yeah. episode episodic yep. exploration uh so I, I thought that was an interesting little bit of critique and what i liked about it was those three very aggressive warlike officers all kind of admitted you know i kind of like that too I, I hey that's why i joined too <laughs> yeah yeah. One of them, and they were all supposedly, or at least several of them were supposedly on the Enterprise D, yeah. which Boimler refers to as the D. The D. Yep. Um, <laughs> one of them is a lady with this like greenish blue face with like a purple mm. slash over half of her part of her face. Yeah. And I don't know what species she is or what she, if or what that is. I mean, it could be makeup, but I think we're meant to understand that's her, that's what her species looks like. Right. Um, I'm sure she was never on. I'm. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure none of these characters, especially her, were ever actually seen on Star Trek: The Next Generation. But, um, mm-hmm. but I thought that was a very interesting look for her, yeah, and I right. couldn't couldn't quite place it. Oh, oh interesting! Yeah. I just looked her up. Uh, she was voiced by Vanessa Marshall, mm-hmm. oh. who voiced Hera on uh, Rebels. Yes. She... And now Bad Batch and was interviewed by Secrets of Star, uh, Star Wars. Yes, ah. she was on. She was interviewed by the Secrets of Star Wars guys. Uh, Vanessa Marshall. Awesome. That's really cool. Uh, I, th- th- now I. Yeah, she has such a uh, she's such a good voice actor. She's a recognizable voice, but uh, very good. So. Boimler ends up so they they set it up. It's the same sort of distortion field that also caused uh, Will Riker in a in the TNG episode yeah. 
to get second chances. Yes. Uh, to end up with Thomas Riker, uh, his mm-hmm. clone, his uh, his his uh, transporter clone. And so we end up with the same thing with Boimler, who his his uh, clone, transporter clone, who takes on the name William. Yeah, in honor of Will S- sucking up, so very, very much sucking. <laughs> and it's so funny because that uh, Boimler suddenly because his personality changes. He's confident. He's he's much more uh, you know in line with the, what the sort of officers that are stay on the Titan. He fakes out the other Boimler because yeah. it's mm-hmm. Riker announces, okay, Starfleet regulations prevent us from having two identical crew members. <laughs> right. He's yep. like, really? Okay. Yeah. Does that extend to, to identical twins? Maybe. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I love that they have that regulation. It makes no sense, but <laughs> uh, but I love that they have it. Um, and so um, so one of them has to has to go back to the Cerritos as an ordinary ensign because they don't have room for a lieutenant on the uh, on, on the, the Cerritos. Cerritos. Yeah. And so it's a demotion. And um, and the two Boimlers look at each other and nod. And then one of them steps forward. <laughs> yeah. The original yeah. other doesn't. It's like, what was that nod? And it's like, yeah, I just thought I'm fine here. Yeah. The, 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 transport, the transporter clone wants to stay in the originals. The one that steps forward. Yes, that's that was uh, yeah. So he ends up. So we we knew Boimler would end up back on the Cerritos at some oh, point. He as, had to be as soon as they mentioned this beaming shield. It's like oh, we're gonna have a Thomas Riker situation. That's gonna yep. be how we get back. And I love yeah. that. That's awesome. And uh, I, I hope that we have a, a future episode where we see clone. Of uh, of Boimler William, show up again. William Boimler. William, William Boimler. William Boimler. <laughs> yeah, Bill Boimler. <laughs> yep. So, um, yep. So that uh, yeah, he seems much cooler than than Brad Boimler, and that should be an interesting when the other lower deckers encounter him eventually. That should be an interesting encounter, and how they oh, they should they, totally have uh, Bill Boimler come and like go full evil twin and replace <laughs> Brad Boimler yeah. and let the lower deckers deal with it. That should be interesting. That should be interesting. Well, I love the conversation as, as Brad Boimler is leaving the ship. Do you think we'll ever see him again? Of course we will. We got his transporter clone here. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. We'll see him every time he's at, the, at, at lunch. <laughs> but I just love that as the solution because it, it was, I mean, it's a great solution to the, how do we get Boimler reunited? Yeah. With the lower deckers because he needs to come back. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was also his dream to, right. to yep. get promoted to the Titan. And so it's it's a great solution to that that would only happen in something like Star Trek. So I think it's right. I think it's an awesome solution, as is the explanation that has long befuddled Star Trek obsessive Star Trek fans why do officers sometimes have the wrong number of pips for their oh. rank on their uniforms? <laughs> That's right. And we get the answer to that at the end of the episode in uh, in the, I don't know, it's not a mess hall. It's sort of a bar, bar. cafeteria like The mess version hall. of 10 Forward that they have, yeah, I guess. The, yeah, the yeah. lounge or whatever it is. Yeah. Where they're, they're, eating, uh, they're eating corn. Street corn. Uh, street <laughs> corn. <laughs> and and you, it turns out it's really easy to get just an extra piece of corn stuck to your collar, and that can explain the <laughs> mysteriously inaccurate numbers of pips. I, all I know is that the next time we have corn on the cob here at my house, I'm going to be a captain. That's for 
for sure. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> so, and then, uh, yeah, so Boimler shows up and they're very excited to talk to him. And, and you know, he, so he's there. Um, I'm trying to think of other, there was another, I think that's, that's about, um, about does it i guess for that episode yeah there is the the Kayshawn trying to talk to um uses his pickup line which annoys the uh the uh woman at the bar and he just says well shaka when the walls fell yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh father Corey, last notes on this episode so boimler as he's talking to the lord Eckers, he's back on the cerritos and he's he's got this great line that really let's be honest describes a lot of star trek plots it was a bunch of complex characters thrown into heavily serialized battles which always ended in mind-blowing twists and made me question the basic tenets of my reality (laughs) that pretty much describes a lot of star trek episodes that's right (laughs) it was such a great and he just rattles it off that quickly yes yes uh jimmy how about you any other notes all right. So I did promise some listener feedback. Dennis Tremethick wrote on Facebook about our last episode, 167, uh, Strange Energies. He, g- he offered a correction. The uh, In that episode, uh, the, who was the name of the character? Stevens, the, uh, the, the mm-hmm. one who was sucking up to Ransom, was reading him uh, to him in, in sickbay from a book, Nightingale Women. Woman. Uh, woman sorry, woman, singular. Uh, and we had mis uh, misremembered where it was from. It was actually from the episode where no man has gone before, where Gary Mitchell was reading it to Dr. Daner in sick which Bay. makes it even more appropriate since yes, this right. is heavily influenced by this episode was heavily influenced by where no man has gone before. Right. There is a discussion of poetry, though, in City on the Edge of Forever, which was the source of the confusion where yes. Kirk's talk, right. talking to Edith Keeler about it. Yes, yes. So uh, thank you, Dennis, for the for the correction. That was uh, that was helpful. Let me help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the one of the most famous lines ever. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of Star Trek, including Joseph P., George G., Caleb B., E.C., and Christian R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Uh, we'd love to hear what you thought of Kayshawn, his eyes open. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or send an email to Trek at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of Lower Decks, which is heretofore unnamed as far as I know. Until then... Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Mirab with sails unfurled. <laughs> Jesus on the Mount of Ascension. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, Rapunky, when he joined the Seven. <laughs> <laughs>